It's my girl. Constance Hall, one of the most talked about bloggers in the country. A look out! Opinionated, raw, thought-provoking and never shy to have an opinion. Annalise is her best friend. The yin to her yang. The gale to her Oprah. She's the chic one. Just ask her. A show for queens by queens. No topic is too taboo. A shame-free, judge-free space. Oversharing, commiserating and celebrating. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Good evening, Constance. Good evening, Annalise. Isn't it weird to be on the radio at night? It really is. It I feels... feel like we need to sound sexier. Yes, definitely. But on our sexy tones. And looser somehow. <laughs> <laughs> More grown up. Sexy and loose? <laughs> <laughs> so if you didn't catch us last year, we are the Queen Session. We were on Sunday mornings, but they've now moved us to Sunday nights. And, I, and I... we don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet, so we're yeah. going to need some feedback from our listeners. Please. And uh, head to our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh, and get in touch I think it actually might be your swearing con that really pushed us through the evening. <laughs> yeah, our morning shows were more like beep, 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 beep. <laughs> so you might have heard of my best friend, Constance Hall. Um, she's I love a, this bit. I, this is her favourite thing where I really just <laughs> toot her horn. She's a writer. She's a blogger. She's also now, I can say, a fashion designer. Fashion designer. Yeah. You know, you've got your mum time range. Uh, She's all over Facebook and I am riding her coattails in the wings. (laughs) (laughs) The gay onto the Oprah, Annalise. We've been best mates since we were five and this is a show by Queens for Queens and it's Fanny Chats and we love it. (laughs) So, Constance, over the break, you got married. I did. Reasonably big deal. We're going to be massive, going... massive deal. Whoopi Goldberg was there. <laughs> Ashen Kutcher sending regards. Uh, Ellen. <laughs> so we're going to be catching up about the wedding, the dramas, the ins and outs. So we'll be talking about that more later in the show. But next, I'm going to be sharing about how ten days out from this ginormous high society wedding, I became J Lo, the wedding planner, and basically <laughs> took it over. <laughs> This is the Queen Sesh. Constance, you recently got married. I did. It was a commitment ceremony. I have to make that clear because the people out there who hate me are really sick of hearing that I got married when mm. I didn't because I'm technically still married, which means I've, I'm sort of p- You're into a polygamist. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but my husband, and I have the right to call him that, and I have, de- we decided to get married even though we, it was just a commitment ceremony. We'll tie the knot with the paperwork later in the year. Yeah, I love that. So let's just backtrack a little bit because I caught up with you 10 days before the wedding or commitment ceremony. Yes. No, let's call it the wedding. I just had to get that disclaimer out there. Great. Let's go back to calling that. We'll go back to the wedding. So 10 days days before the wedding, we caught up. It was Christmas night. Yes. And, you know, I'd been responsibly, festively um, having some champagne that day. Yes, so I was definitely. In, living my I best don't think life. my husband, that was probably the first time that my husband has seen you. Festive, sorry, festive. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a little shocked at how pushy you can be. Yeah, it's, it's me and it's bossy and my background is events. So when I started sort of questioning you, the details, how's this working and who's organised this, who's doing that, and you were like, I don't know. Yeah, I hadn't really organised anything. Ten days I before just invited I heaps of people and... Yeah. 
had a venue booked and I was like, let's party. Yeah. And I, I'd assumed that you just have some sort of fancy pants wedding planner because I hadn't really heard much about the details. When was the last time I had a fancy pants anything? Yeah, I know. But okay. it, you're not very organised. So I just assumed that you would have got someone to do that for you. Yeah, well, no. And I, I <laughs> after speaking to you on Christmas night... I have now realised that I'm glad I didn't get one because you, in your festive manner, were telling me that you were going to, you were telling me in denim, I'm going to take this job on and I'm going to save you thousands yep. of dollars in wedding planner fees. And mm-hmm. we were like, oh, cool, thanks. And you're like, thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. I'm going to save you upward of $10,000 <laughs> in wedding planner fees. And I was thinking, who on earth hires a freaking wedding planner for $10,000? I don't know because I didn't have to. I had you. <laughs> and um, I, I got it done in 10 days and it was it was a big job, but I loved job. it. Because you know what? I love being bossy. I know. It comes so naturally. And you know what works really well when you're bossy to everyone else except me? Yes, because you were the bride yeah. and I was being yeah. very respectful. And I don't like your bossy side, so it was actually <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was such a beautiful day and just a chic love bomb and all the people were just in such a good mood. You know, when weddings can be a bit awkward because people are worried about the bride and groom and whether it's going to work and there's that tension. I've never been to a wedding when people were awkward because really? they were worried. No, oh, that's been, so I've condescending. No, I've been to a few and oh. a lot of them are divorced. But anyway, this one did not have that vibe at all. It was just divine and gorgeous. So we're going to be- it was so gorgeous. Chatting Everyone. about that more later. Oh, good. I'm glad. I like talking about my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Re- reliving my moment. This is the Queen Sesh. Over the holidays, a tragedy occurred of the most urgent nature. Because two weeks before your wedding, I went to a routine hair appointment to get my regular creamy blonde curtains spruced up so I could be a chic bridesmaid for your wedding. And as she was drying it off, I looked in the mirror. And it was glowing orange, like orangutan orange. I actually can't believe that our producer has allowed you to talk about your hair on national radio because, like, I've seen you post so many times about your hair on your Facebook Mm. in the last five weeks and, like, literally no one cares. That's not true. This is (laughs) a very relatable problem. It is like I could actually hear crickets in the background when I read your posts about your hair. No, well, I'm going to put the photos of the orange hair on our Facebook page, The Queen Sesh, and you guys can comment and give me sympathy. You're welcome to. Thank you. you can tell her how first worldy and draining and ridiculous no, look, the hair dramas are. I I consider myself fairly low maintenance, <laughs> but when it comes to my hair, I'll admit I am high maintenance about my hair. So when I was like screaming, "It's orange! Annalise, I'm going to be Annalise, a bridesmaid!" Yes, you got a, a your own personal hairdresser to fly from Melbourne to do your hair for my wedding. That is not entirely true. Your sister also was in on that. So, <laughs> you guys, the people closest to you are hideous. So, that's on you. <laughs> so, anyway, the fix up job oh, she made it like this dark, sludgy, awful, like brown, but it was now, just as harrowing. a hairdresser, I can tell you right now that you're not going to get gold out with a toner. Mm. You need to lift it again. That's yes. her first mistake. I should be doing hairdressing seminars. Well, I'm never going back there again, obviously. Um, but yes, I want to. I'm sorry for it. If you're out there, and you're listening, you should have sensed that Annalise wasn't your girl when she yeah. walked into your salon. I think let's take it to the Queens of Australia and I want to find out who else has had a harrowing hair disaster. 
That's next. I'd also, li- I'd also <laughs> like them to, uh, to let us know if you think Annalise is just being a massive trainer. No, everyone will agree on this. This is a, a very relatable problem. You just don't relate because your hair's always in dreadlocks, all right? Be honest, Queens. <laughs> Honesty is key. This is the Queen Sesh. Just before I was sharing about the most harrowing ordeal that I experienced over the break, which was two weeks before Con's wedding, as I was going to be a prominent featuring bridesmaid, a hairdresser made my hair bright, glowing, orange, and then a very, very dark, murky terrible brown to fix it and so this was one of like I was in tears I was trying to be really grown up but I was just fighting back the tears it was so real for me at the time Constance finds this very unrelatable because she's not high maintenance about hair but I wanted to check in with the queens of Australia who else has had a harrowing a harrowing (laughs) disaster (laughs) and we've got Jess from Tassie Please, welcome into this safe space. So mine was in quite a high-profile um, hairdresser, mind you, down in Hobart. Yes. And the guy had coloured, cut all my hair, all pretty much done, and we got to the part where we just needed to straighten it. Mm. He gets the straightener, puts it in the back of my hair, and I could smell the burning <gasps> straight away. Oh. He just looked at me and goes, oh... It's not that bad, don't worry, but I think the the hair straightener might be broken. But he had to cut and grade all the back of my hair, which took probably another 10 minutes. And I didn't realise it was that bad. But the worst part was still charging my $200 to get my hair done, walked out and literally the top of the he cut from like the top of the back of my hair and grated it all down. It was like nothing left. <laughs> That's a hair disaster. Welcome to the club. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> no worries. No uh, worries. And we have Nadia from WA. Now, Nadia and Constance know each other. Nadia makes the divine and chic crowns that Constance is always wearing. I'm Thanks, just glad girl. it wasn't me who screwed your hair, Nuts. Tell us why. Are you, are you sure it wasn't Nuts? <laughs> I don't think I've done it her hair. <laughs> it wasn't Con. It wasn't Con. No, she's, she's refused to do my hair many times, yeah. but I'm um, funny. Anyway, the owner approaches me and she says, Oh, Nadia, we would love you to be a hair model and we would love to take mm. some photographs of you and we would love you to be the pin-up girl of our salon. I go into the hair salon and she said, Listen, we're going to go quite short. And I think I would have had about shoulder-length hair mm. and I thought to myself, Short's okay. I'm not thinking it's going to be boy short. Towards the end of the haircut, she brings out the electric razor, <gasps> like the ones, like the ones they use on guys, like probably a number, a number two or a number three. She brings out and she starts to shave the back of my head. Now I'm like, I'm 20 at the time, so I'm quite naive, and I couldn't really see what was going on in the back. So I had this really long fringe, and she just starts shaving the back of my hair. Next minute you know, the professional photographer comes in, yeah, because we're going to get the shots taken for this haircut. He looks at me and he looks at the haircut and he looks at me and he walks away and he talks to Lee, the owner, for a bit. And he comes back to me and he goes, oh, you've got a little bit of a scar on your cheek and it's going to really photograph in the photograph. So I don't think I'm going to be able to take the photograph. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, it's not the bloody scar, you bastard. It's the I know, haircut. you can airbrush yeah, out the scar, the it's the rank hair. It's, bloody, it's the rank hair. And all of a sudden you're paranoid about your like, scar on your face. <laughs> yeah, I'm still paranoid about it. Yeah, you're like scar face now. <laughs> this 
is the Queen Sesh. The biggest thing really when I think about 2017 and what came out was the Me Too campaign. And throughout the waves of positivity and groundbreaking progress it's achieving, whispers about questioning the collateral damage that the campaign could be creating are coming out. Jermaine Greer wrote an article recently. Um, Matt Damon came out as well. And everyone sort of, as soon as anyone brings it up, they're getting shut down for it. And journalist Claire Harvey recently wrote an article for News Limited called Hashtag Me Too May Be Overdue, But It's Highly Dangerous, which is very a taboo article to write. And to explain to us why she thinks this, we've got Claire Harvey. Welcome to the Queen Sesh. Hi, how are you? We're good, thank you. So a very taboo-titled article, Claire, in these highly volatile social media times. Have you copped much backlash since the release of the article? I haven't, no. The opposite, in fact. Um, uh, And I think... You know, um, God forbid someone in a, in a newspaper should write a, um, a titillating headline. Yeah. But I think um, the uh, – I can't complain. I am the deputy editor, so um, you know, <laughs> someone's doing their job well. Um, but the point is really, I think, not so much that it's highly dangerous, but that I think uh, we're in, in danger of losing sight of some of the fundamentals of um, what makes sex and intimacy uh, worth having and worth mm-hmm. fighting for. Uh, I think, I think, uh, particularly in relation to Aziz Ansari, the American comedian who's been the subject of the latest allegation uh, of sexual assault. Yes. And um, for anyone who ha- is not familiar with that, can you just give us a quick summary? Yeah, sure. He's a, he uh, was the subject of a story on an, an American kind of young feminist website, I guess. It's a, web, it's a website run by, you know, millennial feminists. It's all about sex and, and, um, and uh, all kinds of other kind of fun things. Um, but this story was about a young woman who, who went by the name Grace who said she, that she had a date with him that was the worst night of her life. They met at an event. They went home together. He was very, very keen to have sex. They had some kind of uh, um, sexual, you know, play, basically, that wasn't wasn't full sex the next day she sent him a message saying I felt incredibly uncomfortable I said I was trying to send you all sorts of non-verbal clues that I didn't want to be there um, and I feel really violated he replied to her saying that he apologized she then uh, and that he didn't mean to make her feel that way um, but the, 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 her account of the evening was 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 uh, basically, they got naked together um, and, and she was up for sort of some of it, but she wasn't quite sure what she was into. She decided at a certain point that she wanted to get out of there and then she left. So um, her criticism of him, although she characterised what he'd done as sexual assault, I think really her criticism of him was that he had failed to notice uh, that her body language was less enthusiastic than his was. Um, And I think that's a really dangerous ground to be getting into, particularly when people are writing stories about celebrities whose careers and lives can be totally ruined by this. You know, in reality, what she's accusing him of is something that I think most women have probably probably experienced in their lives, a sexual encounter where one party is more keen than the other. And, uh, you know, in the end, she got out of there um, she didn't have sex with him. Uh, he apologised to her if she'd felt felt in a bad way, and I, I think um, that's the danger that I'm that I'm writing about. Uh, I think if women don't want to have sex with someone, and particularly young women, I think w- they need to learn, and we all need to help them learn how to say no in a way that's going to be really, really clearly understood. I don't think it's right to, to back end it. Um, Sorry, I shouldn't have used that phrase in a, in a talk about sex. Um, <laughs> 
by expecting men to be mind readers. Yeah. So what, what you're concerned about is, and it, it is a really good point, it's, it's blurring the line between what is sexual assault and what is shit sex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And also what, what might just be somewhere on the boundary. I think, you know, Constance has written really thoughtfully about um, some of her own past experiences. And, I, you know, I really congratulate you for being brave enough to write about it. Um, but you. I think, it, you know, women everywhere are looking back at their own sexual encounters in their lives and thinking, you know, what happened there? What was that? Yep. Um, and... I don't think necessarily we should all leap to the conclusion that we were sexually assaulted. Um, If, in fact, what happened was just, maybe I wasn't so keen, you know, maybe maybe I should have left there earlier than I did. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that the man you've been with is a rapist. Yeah, because, you know, the Harvey Weinstein is really what sort of started this, and that is clear-cut, you know, that is revolting. Whereas this is two people on a date, one was Mm. into it, but she never verbally said any verbal cues that she wasn't into it. And that's where I think it's tricky. Yeah, that's right. And it's funny, you know, the, the, the millennial, you know, women I know um, are pretty feisty and they've yeah. been raised to be pretty kind of clear about what is what is okay with their bodies and what is not. You know, feminism is kind of something that's in their blood, you know, in a way that it might not have been in my generation. I'm 40. Um you know, and and I think I've certainly had the experience of being very unsure as a young woman. But my own shy, kind of unsure self, I don't know if if, if young women today are quite the same. They, they seem to be pretty empowered. Mm. Oh yeah, I talk to my brother about it all the time, and I'm like, when I was young, I was pressured into doing these things that I didn't want to do, but I did them mm. because I thought it might make me cool or whatever. And my brother's like, are you serious, chicks? My mates are not like that at all. They want what they're yeah. making me do things I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And in in your article, Claire, you said that you feel it's undoing everything feminism has achieved. What did you mean by that? I don't mean that. I think I think um, the, the you know I don't think Me Too is undoing fem- everything feminism has achieved. In fact, I think Me Too is an, an incredibly important um, step in our in our lives. You just lives. wanted to stay on track. Yeah, I just don't want it to become about every man being a rapist mm. because I don't think that helps feminism at all, you know, and I don't think it helps empowered sort of sexually active women um, to have men think that um, they have to be saying at every point, is this okay, is this okay, is this okay? You know, there are plenty of ways to let someone know um, how you feel and, 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 and what you're into. Um, and the most powerful one is just by saying, I don't like that or no, I don't want to do it or just to get up and walk out. Yeah, um, we need to get comfortable with like a language around our own sexuality because like we haven't really, I personally have had to develop it over the last couple mm. of years. Like this is mm. what I like, this is what I don't like, this is what I want, this is how I want you to make me feel. And it's not something that we've sort of, been doing before. Mm, so I feel like, right. yeah, that vocalisation of, of our sexual encounters is so important. But I also think I, when I wrote my post about um, my experiences, I noticed so many people in the, because I just sort of switch off for a while, otherwise I get too involved in the comment yeah. section. But then I went back to the comments to read them and so many people were saying that 
um, casual sex needs to be a thing of the past and you should mm. only be having sex with someone that you love. And I was oh, like, gosh. oh, God, oh, that's not fair. Hang on. That's not fair to those Back of us that don't want relationships. Yeah. yeah. It had gone like, I was like, no, we can actually like somehow ascertain a world where we can have two people that want to have sex, you know, that can do it spontaneously mm. without signing contracts. And, mm. yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from with the Aziz because when I was reading it, it reminded me of so many situ- scenarios that I I've been in where you go home mm. and you realize they only wanted to have sex. I feel like when I read his mm. very personal account and I was feeling uncomfortable, like I was spying on these people's sex life, you know? Mm. And um, when I read it, I thought he only wanted to have sex with you. He didn't mm. want more. And that leaves you feeling shit because mm. he was, oh, yeah. the, if, if that was me in that situation, I would have read that he was only wanting to have sex. He wasn't trying to impress me. He wasn't mm. trying to go long term. He wasn't asking me what I wanted to eat for brekkie. He was mm. literally just trying to get... And then when, whenever I've like fallen for that crap, I've mm. gone home and felt so crappy about myself. You do feel violated, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was sexually sexual assault. Yeah, there's just no because crime. because you feel violated. Yeah, that's right. And that's about... Um, that can only, I think, ever be about, um, about women learning to... to, to be more articulate and to be more um, confident about you know what that what they really want. I mean, just you describing before people saying that casual sex needs to end and you can only. I mean, this is that's taking us back to the Victorian age. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. And that's what I mean about feminism being undermined by this. Like, this is not what we fought for. This is not what yeah. our grandmothers fought for. You know, it is not the idea that you need to be married to have sex. Like, it can't. Oh, that no. can't be it. You Definitely know? not. I, I also <laughs> really think that the beginning of the headline of your article, Me Too, is long overdue. It is so overdue because even conversations like this, being out there in the public eye, like, for all the undoing of the Me Too that the Aziz situation may or may not have caused, mm. it's in the public eye now. And it's showing young men or men of any age that we don't want to have sex like this. We are, you are mm. actually borderline assaulting us mm. if you will continue to push your agenda onto us when we're making signals that we don't want to do it. Treat mm. us like, you know, remember what I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on radio, but that chick Samantha B said, F- like a feminist. Mm. If you want to call yourself a feminist, then you need to. I just mm. really believe that I was raised in an era where my sexual needs and the like me getting off was not important. Mm. It wasn't <laughs> considered important at all so I'm mm. glad that it's in the light now and mm. that but it might just be two completely to- separate topics it's interesting too I think it's more broadly about the way men and women communicate to so differently you know I've certainly learned this you know funnily enough in my marriage you know where I um I kind of think that my husband should work out that I actually want him to fold the washing, put it all away, um, you know, and and then um, do all this other stuff that I want him to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of find myself seething that he hasn't worked out that I want him to do it, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> which is really that actually just makes me incredibly grumpy, and it's it's not yeah. it's not it's not fun for anyone. Actually, what he wants me to do is say to him, "Hey, could you please do this and that for me." Um, yeah. You know, I, I, my, my, there's a movie, there's a, there's, a, there's a movie called The Breakup with Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn where they're having this argument in the kitchen and she's saying to him, I want you to want to unpack the dishwasher. And he's saying, <laughs> why would anyone want to unpack the dishwasher? You know? <laughs> this is my relationship you're talking about now. Like, I get so angry. I'm like, how could you sleep while I have four screaming children and I'm making friigging dinner? And he's just like, are you like nuts? Like, just wake me up. Yeah, <laughs> 
Mummy, what yeah, do why should I wake you up? That's yeah. so disrespectful that you think that I should have to wake you up on top of all the other <laughs> no, things that I have to do. <laughs> yes, I've also used the phrase, it's not my job to wake you up. Yes, oh my God, I said that this morning. <laughs> High five, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> but so then this is... You know, if if this is something that we can laugh about in terms of domestic, you know, low level domestic conflict, then then you know the the lesson must translate to every other aspect of interaction between men and women. You know, and that that's where it comes back to sex. It's like, well, he may, you know, we may think it's screamingly obvious that we don't want to be there or that we're not into that particular thing, you know, but actually maybe he just doesn't is not really noticing, you know. Yeah, mm. and it's started- but he sh- I think he should now start putting a little yes. bit more, you know, like thought into sure. let's pick up on these social cues and these mm-hmm. sexual cues. And you know, like um, a, a close close family friend of ours had to go to this course because he was we call it stalker course because he didn't <laughs> accept the breakup like he should have, and he yeah. was calling too much and blah, blah blah. And they had to take him through these basic oh, human, <laughs> you know, like when someone doesn't answer your third call, <laughs> calling the phone. <laughs> And I yes. don't want to have to see all men go through this course. No, and someone moves right. your hand away from her undies yeah. three times, don't yeah. try a fourth time. You know, yeah. like getting outside a house in the car with the lights off. <laughs> not, not romantic. Cool. Not yeah. cool. binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for chatting yeah, no with worry. us, Claire. It's such a, an important conversation to have, and you know, putting articles out there like that, it's it's a, a really great conversation and one that we'll keep having. So thanks so much for sharing. Oh, with my us. pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Claire. Lovely right. to talk to you. See ya. That's my girl. This is the Queen Sesh with Constance Hall and Annalise. Come on, girls! And as we launch into our two of the sesh, if you didn't catch us last year's Sunday mornings, we are the Queen Sesh. It's Constance Hall. She's a writer. She's pretty a pretty big deal on Facebook. Big deal. You prob- <laughs> you've probably heard of me. You might hate me, but we're going to turn that around yeah, this next hour. Turn that around <laughs> upside down. Um, she's not wearing shoes as well. I just thought that might make you like her more. She never wears shoes. No, people hate me for that. Oh. <laughs> they think it's unhygienic. Isn't that weird? It is weird because that's how we're born. Like we didn't come out wearing shoes. And also if you're wearing shoes in someone's house, then you're bringing in the outside germs. And if you're barefoot and you're in someone's house, you're bringing in the outside germs. Like, yeah, it's the same. You've yeah. just got really, really tough underfoot. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I got a pumice stone once, but I smoothed out the pumice stone with my rough foot. <laughs> I exfoliated the exfoliant. <laughs> uh, Con, you had a rather dramatic brush with a criminal over the break. Yep, I did, and mm. I'm, I'm more than happy to share that story. My husband's a bit of a hero. Yeah, in, uh, in the local WA scene, so I can't wait to hear that story because <laughs> we actually haven't spoken about it, and I imagine it's... Uh, Pretty crazy. That's next. This is the Queen Sesh. Now, Annalise, over the break, we had some really, we've had lots of weird experiences, but one of them was really bloody weird. Mm. My stepson was awake. He sets his alarm for quarter to five so that he can come and hassle the out of us to take him surfing. Denim does it. He's such a good dad. I don't know if I can, if I'm going to live up to that when my kids are old enough to want to go surfing at that hour. But he comes up and he like just doesn't let up until you take him. On this particular morning, which is about a month ago now, he came, he set his alarm and he woke up and he heard somebody going through our car. Mm. Now, he was like, what the hell? And the guy jumped over our fence after he'd rummaged through our car. No one le- locks things where I live. It's a country town. And starts running down the road. So Zeke, my stepson, starts following him. 
And then he loses him. So he runs back, jumps into our bed and says, you know, that someone's just gone through our car and our other car that was parked down the driveway. And they've like, everything's just sort of a mess. There's paper everywhere. And now they've run away. And then like Denham, me and Denham, we didn't have my kids. So we'd been out the night before. And so he was sleeping and I was like... He, Denim's not going to care about this. He's just going to go, oh, well, there was nothing valuable in there. And then he just jumps up and he goes, let's go find him. And I was like, <laughs> what? It's 5 a.m. You don't get out of bed. <laughs> and this adrenaline hit him and he was just pissed off that this guy's doing this. So he's, like, gotten into the car, drive, driven the car, and they're looking everywhere for him. And he's called me and he's gone, it's no use. I'm never going to find the guy. But there's literally like crap everywhere all over the streets. He's just been robbing everyone all over the streets. And I was like, bugger. And I was trying to like go through my brain to make sure that there was no like anything in our car. You know, I couldn't remember what was in there. So the next I hear, he calls me up five minutes or ten minutes later and he's like, I got him. And I was like, what? And so apparently this guy is just rocking down the road like some kind of a legend at 5 a.m. wearing, okay, this is the funny part, wearing Denim's sunglasses. <laughs> now, Denim doesn't spend money on anything. He will feed our family on eight bucks if he can't, if I let him. And he, he's such a scrooge. He only goes, he bought his wedding outfit from a friggin' op shop, mm-hmm. but I insisted that he bought a new top because it was just a bit much. And <laughs> he spends money on sunglasses. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. I don't. He spends, he buys $200 sunglasses and he loves them and he's obsessed with them. He looks after them. He keeps them clean. So this guy's cruising down the street, probably with some weird song on the background of his mind <laughs> and denim sunglasses and denim just saw red. But yeah, it was like Zeke was the hero of the moment in my eyes. He like full, tra- full court, this guy. Denim was just the muscles behind Zeke's directions. And did Denzi get his sunglasses back most importantly? He sure did. Oh, I know, they that. have more sentiment now than ever before. It's a good news story. It's a good news story. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. The show's had a big break and over the break, Con, you had some bleeding in your pregnancy. Yes, I did. I think it was um, a few days before Christmas. Yes, I remember because you were texting me about it and I was ha- yeah. living my best life on the beach at the time, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay because yeah. all is good in the end. It was pretty scary. I've actually never had – I've had little bits of spotting in very early pregnancy, mm. but I've never had like a pregnant bump and, you know, being in the second trimester and actual bleeding, bleeding. And so I just like convinced myself that's it, you know, mm. like we don't have the baby anymore. We went to the hospital and um, we waited and waited and waited and waited and then finally the doctor came and he – Said that there was not much he could do. He, um, they saw the heartbeat. They said, look, the cervix is closed. It's the heartbeat. There's nothing we can do if you were miscarrying. Oh, good. You have a miscarriage threat but and risk, but like there's, well, honestly, you just need to take it easy and just hope for the best. And so that left me in, you know, two minds. But I was like, I kind of was glad that he said that to me because it made me know there's nothing I can do. Researching, Googling, mm. finding, phoning hospitals. Is there a better hospital? Or, you know, I was just like, no, this is just it. And so. It all cleared up. He said, if it gets worse, then that's a sign. But if it starts like tapering off, then the baby's probably going to be okay. But I remember it was, it was two days because we were texting. It was two and a half days. Two and a half days. And there's nothing scarier when you are pregnant and you see blood. There is nothing scarier. Nothing. Because it's just so bizarre. You haven't seen blood in so long, you know. It's just, yeah. We've got so many kids that I haven't really thought that much about this baby. But then 
I had started to, in the first trimester, and then I'd really started to, and me and Denim have given him a name, and Denim talks to him all the time, and it's really cute and just really loved up, and I feel really excited and lucky, and so yeah, that was really terrifying to think that could all just be taken away. Funny thing is that I was saying to Denim like a week ago that if we had have lost him, then I don't think I would have really, I had thought about it. I was like, I don't really think I'd push for another one because we're so lucky to have the ones that we've got. And I was so upset at the thought of losing him that I wouldn't want to risk it happening again and stuff like that. And then Denim was the opposite though. He was like, nah, would have conceived one straight away. And I was like, well, you'd need my permission to do that. (laughs) And he was like, no, I'd find a way. We would have conceived another one because we're destined to have a baby together and we would have made it, I would have made it better. And I just thought that was really cute because it made me feel like, he really wants it and you know like because when we first got pregnant he was like oh there goes all our fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so all is well in the end we had we had his 20 week anatomy scan and everything was normal so yeah now I'm really excited about him actually you can put your hand on my tummy now and you can feel him kick you know how in the beginning you can you're the only one who can feel it yeah the little bubbles yeah, and now he's like actually booting my stomach Aww. so like other people can feel it. I know, it's really sweet. So you're more and than halfway there. Yeah, That's and cool. the pregnancy's been relaxing and I just have this really relaxing feel like everything's going to be okay, the newborn stage will be okay because Denim's so relaxed about everything. Like I'm not, you know, like I'm like, and then this is going to happen and you're probably just going to sleep through it and then I'm going to get <laughs> so exhausted and you're probably not going to do any nappies, nappies and you don't even know what it feels like to breastfeed and he's just like, yeah, I'm actually really jealous of the fact that you can breastfeed because I think it looks beautiful. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong with you, Denim? Stress out. <laughs> well, congrats. And I Thanks, can't babe. wait to meet my other oh little my God, surrogate we're gonna son. Go, we're going to go Queen Sesh live for the labour. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. This week there was an event that just sent ripples across the world titled Hashtag Bloggergate. I thought you as a blogger would be really I'm interesting. I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> For once. So the beauty and travel blogger Elle Darby sent an email to an Irish lodge and accommodation place asking for free com in exchange for, you know, uh, she's got a YouTube channel, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. So in exchange for plugs on her, her socials, which is very normal now. That's what people do. It's very – I personally do not do it. Let's just get that out there. I pay for everything I do. And I sometimes give a little plug on Instagram, but I've still paid for it. Yeah. And um, just because that's just the – you know, once you start getting free sh they start expecting things of you. It becomes a chore, you know. Like Mm. if you made your honeymoon free, then you're working on your honeymoon. You know what I mean? But apart from that, it's just not my style and um, I'm not an influencer. I hate that word, influencer. Oh, it's rank, isn't it? Oh, it's so rank. It's like people listen to me and people will do what I say. So you should Mm. let me stay somewhere for free. It's just dumb. But it's very now. It's very now. Bloggers are doing it. And I think this man was a total asshole. Yeah. So what he did was he... He republished her email and he did blank out her her name and details. He published a scathing response on Facebook, you know, saying, you know, it takes a lot of balls to send an email like that, if not much self-respect and dignity. If I let you stay here in return for a feature in your video, who's going to pay the staff, et cetera, et cetera. So a well, very... you're going to pay for the in <laughs> because that's the way it works. Yeah. You're paying for It's like saying to somebody who you're paying for an ad, oh, but if I pay you for this ad, who's going to pay my staff? It yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like the new marketing. It's the new 
new marketing yeah, budget. he's got no clue. He's in this, living in the Stone Age. Mm. So it went viral and this blogger, Elle Darby, came out and said it was her, which I don't know why, but anyway, she said it was her. Then she started receiving death threats and abuse for sending this email. Now the hotel's receiving death threats from bloggers and why scathing reviews. and always I, escalate to death threats? Do you know what it is? It is the modern day witch hunt. The death threats, though, like it always, oh. it's always like a normal story, you know, and then there was this small like altercation and there was a misunderstanding and then the death threats. Yes. It's just, I don't understand it. Like I think I'm going to threaten to kill that guy. I know. <laughs> who, who thinks like that? Why can't we just calm down? Why can't a story come out and we go, oh, I don't really calm. like that, but you we don't down. resort to death threats. Yeah, we you know, just, don't need to. just take a deep breath, use your words, but not death threat words yeah. like you do to it's a toddler. Like we're talking to our toddler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, why don't you go sit down in time out for yeah. a minute while you process the emotions and, and breathe? Just take, take a deep breath. <laughs> Oh, but seriously, I mean, this guy's got form con. I, I went and looked through his Facebook, obviously, because I'm a creep. And, um, you know, he's got in, in their hotel, they've got a big bowl with a, a photo and it says ashes of vegans. And now next to it, they've got a thing, uh, a bowl with a lid saying tears of bloggers. He's a little bit obsessive. Mm. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little bit narcissistic because the reason he's gone all public and he's wanted, he's really wanting this attention and he's really feeding on it. Well, he's got a lot of attention, but he even wrote a statement saying, Thanks so much, bloggers, um, for all the attention. And I'm going to write a book on how to get worldwide press without actually paying a cent. And you know what? He's achieved it. But at what well, cost to his soul? He's got all that free advertising that she was offering him. Well, <laughs> <isn't> he? <laughs> I just hope she found a nice hotel to stay at in the end. Yeah, like, for free. A nice you know? girl. Exactly. I hope she didn't have to pay for a freaking <laughs> weekend away. That's That would be a happy ending. <laughs> this is the Queen Sesh. Just recently, we're at Con's wedding. It was a beautiful day. It was an amazing day and I had everyone that I love coming and helping me get ready and the kids were there and, you know, everybody looked so beautiful. Then they walked past me, I'd get tears in my eyes. I actually lost my breath a couple of times by looking at my amazing bridesmaids. So chic. Who were just wearing the chicest dresses and flowers in their hair and these are the people that I've grown up with and that I love, you know, with all of my heart and soul. So it was a crazy, beautiful vibe. I can't even express it. We are releasing a video so everyone can sort of pick up on the vibe and what it felt like to be there. I think hopefully it translates. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a few a few funny moments that I think um, me and Annalise a week prior had, you know, we'd been dismissing Denim's requests for a horse. Mm-hmm. He wanted a horse at the wedding. And me and Annalise were like, no, it's so Kath and Kim. Isn't you are it? not having a horse at the wedding. But <laughs> Annalise's mum, who gives everyone a fair chance. <laughs> and she's like they, a real creative soul and her and Denim kind really of really creative bond. and they get on, oh. exactly. And she was like, oh, how beautiful. And she's just thinking of photographs, you know, because yeah. that's the way. She's thinking of visuals and she's going, oh, that would be such a great idea, Denim. You need to have a horse. And Denim was like, he was the first person that told him it was a good idea and he just ran with it. And he yeah. was like, but no, I'm remember as well, there was the Instagram story. Yes, so, so then uh, that led to me and Alice <laughs> doing an Instagram poll mm. and 69% of the voters voted, yes, let the man have the horse. Mm -hmm. So once he won that, we had to agree. And I just fell back on the fact that he's so unorganised, he won't organise one in time. But yeah, no, definitely. The day before he booked a horse. 
<laughs> and there was a horse at our wedding, and, and I, I we men at least missed it all. Yeah, we we, we were being on. you know makeup and hair and busy, but everyone told me. So what actually happened because it was on a property, uh, Denzi actually would meet guests as they arrived out of their car on horseback. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> and then Stop. lead them to the ceremony. He was like he was like an usher at his own wedding on horseback. Very odd, <laughs> very strange behaviour from my husband. And he was but... barefoot as well. I love it. It's just so so tribal, so chic, <laughs> so earthy. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and Annalise and all the bridesmaids are waiting <laughs> to hear the cues and the music to walk down the aisle. And somebody drops the biggest fart. That's right. <laughs> and it was just like no one admitted to it. And it was the stinkiest <laughs> thing ever. And we're all standing there looking chic and a bit nervy. And then someone dropped one and we all just lost it and we're pissing ourselves laughing. And it was just the best icebreaker. It was a good icebreaker. Now, Annalise, I'm going to make a confession here. <gasps> it was you. When I'm nervous, I do what I call fear farts. <laughs> and they really smell. And I could not confess to that at the time because I was having a nervy. And you were so, being a bride and you were being beautiful. And I tried to walk off on my own and do a cheeky little stinky fear fart. And you all followed me. And then you made such a big deal of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting Denim listen to the radio this time. I'm going to text him. No, you are not. I'm texting Do all the not text him. I'm texting all the bridesmaids immediately. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me tonight. Thank you, Constance. You've just made my night. Pleasure, babe. You deserve it. And we hope we've made yours too. Uh, that's us for another week. And, yeah, we'll be back same time, 6 o'clock next Sunday night. If you want to catch up uh, on anything, you can search us, our Facebook page, search The Queen Sesh and grab the catch-up podcast later. Have a beautiful Love week. You, Queen. This is The Queen Sesh.